When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Season 5 of The Tip of the Iceberg. I'm Nick Berlansky, that's Nick Horwat, and boy, is that not a weird, weird sentence to utter. We are entering Season 5 here at The Tip of the Iceberg, so a quick shout-out to anybody who has listened over the previous four seasons. We just want you to know Season 5 is going to be more of the same excellence that we try to strive for, but also hopefully some new and innovative ways to talk Pittsburgh Penguins. Already mentioned, I'm always joined by Nick Horwat. How you doing today, buddy? It's been, a, it's been a while. It's been a couple weeks. We've gone through our little break. We're back. We're ready for the 23-24 season to commence. We're ready for everything that this team has to throw us. They gave us little off season to work with uh but you know what the off season is for Kyle Dubas it seems it's going to start right about now and the penguins will begin preparing one day after another for uh what should be one of the more important seasons of their uh franchise's history and at least if nothing else one of the most entertaining right it should be if anything very intriguing to see what Eric Carlson and the Pittsburgh Penguins are able to do in the 2023-24 season, which begins, I mean, for us slightly in about a month with mm-hmm. training camp. So we still have silly season here, which is going to garner some silly season topics. And to start off today, we want to talk a little bit about the head coach, Mike Sullivan, and really just ponder the one simple question. Is he still a top coach in the National Hockey League. Let's start with top five, because that's what everybody loves to discuss, is the top five coaches in the National Hockey League. Horwat, would you put him in that class right now? As I look up and down the list of head coaches, uh, I would say I think so. I mean, first of all, he's one of the longest tenured head coaches in the league right now. I mean, I know that doesn't mean everything, but it uh, stands for something when you think of the turnover that a lot of teams have had behind the bench recently. Um I'd say he is. I think there are definitely a few that could give him a run for his money. Uh, there's definitely a couple that uh, fight for this, for fight for these five positions uh, every year. And there could be some new faces coming. There's a lot of newer names in the uh, behind the bench, and I think Mike Sullivan just had an off year last year. I don't know if it was full of spite for uh, his general manager or what it may have been, but. I think he's going to prove again this season that uh, he's one of the better coaches in the NHL. You have to remember, he should have been up for the Jack Adams two years ago now. Eh, Honestly, two years ago, three seasons ago as well. There's a number of years you could say Mike Sullivan should have been up there uh, for that award, but uh, honestly has been getting snubbed time and time again. But that being said, when it comes to Mike Sullivan this year, I absolutely believe that uh, he is still a top five coach in this league. It might be a, might be the lower lower half of that five, you know. Like mm-hmm. I said, I mean, there's a few that could give him a run, and 
and uh, what's-his-name rejoining the league is going to be an interesting run. Uh, I can't remember his name now. Columbus. Mike Babcock could. Mm, yeah. <laughs> if he turns that team around, because that's the other thing, too. We look at coaches every season and say, okay, now this is the new top five. Because yep. really, what did, from Boston, Bruce Cassidy? Am I getting that one right? No, Jim, Jim Montgomery. Jim Montgomery. It was Bruce Cassidy. Yeah, just missed one. What uh, Jim Montgomery was his first year there. What kind of changes did he really have on that team to go all out like they did? Or were they fighting like it was last dance style? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there are definitely names that could give a run for his money. But as of right now, Mike Sullivan's going to, once again, prove why he's a top five coach in the league. You mentioned last season. I wouldn't bet that that is something to go against Sullivan as far as something to go for Sullivan. I mean, you look at what he was able to do with the team that was given to him. Remember, the Pittsburgh Penguins missed out on the playoffs by one point, and I understand that as far as Pittsburgh Penguins fans are concerned, that's a failure, and it should be considering the success of this franchise over the past 18 seasons. But look at what he was able to do, how close he was able to get them to the playoffs with what he had. Poor defense, right? The defensive structure was not good last season. The players that they had there were not the right players to execute the style that Todd Reardon likes to play. They had an injured starting goaltender for the majority of the second half of the season. They had poor bottom six performance basically from the beginning of the season onward. And then by the end of the year, you had gassed star players. Crosby was off his game by the end of the season. Evgeny Malkin had not been as good as he was at the end of the season because these guys had the burden on them all year long. They just ran out of gas. And with (laughs) all that combined, the Penguins still fall or fell one point shy of the playoffs. Now, are there times last season where you look at Mike Sullivan's coaching prowess and the job that he did and say, that's a questionable decision? That's a questionable decision? Yes, that happened. But I think the overall sample size of last season has to be a net positive for a head coach who was given very little and still almost made the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think anyone throughout the year was questioning that much, at least, questioning Mike Sullivan's uh, (laughs) coaching ability. We certainly know FSG Fenway was not considering the contract that they extended him to that doesn't kick in until the next season. This upcoming year is the final year of Mike Sullivan's current contract, and then he starts another five-year deal. Five-year deal. Yeah. uh, We understand that FSG has faith in this guy. Step Mm -hmm. one. Uh, We know he and Kyle Dubas are about to start a new tenure together that could be extremely profitable for the team that could be extremely successful for the team because those two a are extremely transparent with each other according to i think sullivan's the one that said it Mm -hmm. um and b that they have similar mindsets when it comes to building this roster and building this team it's going to be a good match between those two uh he's like sullivan's gonna have the players he wants on the ice we'll see how the jeff carter thing goes Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, it's Mike Sullivan is definitely uh, well respected by <laughs> this uh, this organization and this ownership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he certainly has the keys to the kingdom, and we can get into the hot seat conversation. I even think if the Penguins miss the postseason, obviously we don't want to see that happening because everybody wants to cover a winner. But mm-hmm. if the Penguins even miss the postseason this year, I still don't think that he's gone. Like I, do, I think that he might get on the hot seat next season, but he's not gone. Like He's not on the hot seat or anywhere near the hot seat 
to start the 2023-24 season. He has ownership's approval. He has a new general manager slash president of hockey ops that he's working with. I think he's pretty secure in his position as head coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins. But to get back to the root of the question was, is he a top five coach entering the 2023 season? I would say no. Uh, I would say that yes, last season shouldn't be as big a blemish that I think some people are making it out to be. But I do think that recently there's been a track record of him getting away from the style of coaching that he really made his bones on. Like in 2016, 2017, the difference between those teams and this team last season, even the year prior, it's very different. And I don't think that he has adapted well enough to the teams that he was given. Now, this year, I think the team is more in line with those 2016 and 2017 rosters. It's not all the way there. I'm not going to say that they're the same roster because those rosters won the Stanley Cup, but I don't think this roster is even in the top 10 when it comes to contenders entering the season, even with Eric Carlson. But when I look at the top five coaches in the NHL, it's as much about how good these other coaches are as Mike Sullivan taking a step back. I think Bruce Cassidy, year one in Vegas, he goes and wins the Stanley Cup. That's just a testament to how good he was in Boston as well. He just couldn't get Boston over the hump. He goes to Vegas, he gets him over the hump in year one. John Cooper, I think, still has to be in discussion as one of the best coaches in the NHL. That team has been perennially good for the past five seasons plus. Rod Brindamore, I think, is always going to be in that discussion because Carolina is always at the top of the standings at the end of the regular season. Can he do it in the postseason? That's a different question. That's a separate question. But I do think Rod the Bod is one of the top five. And then I'd also put Jim Montgomery and Pete DeBoer in that list. Like Montgomery goes to Boston, and that team is one of the best in the history of the NHL. There's something there because the team was practically the same. Right. Mm-hmm. The only major difference was Tuka Rask was gone and they had Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman as the one two punch that season. So between him and then also Pete DeBoer, everywhere he goes, he seems to win. Right. He won in Vegas. He won in San Jose. And last year he took Dallas deep into the playoffs and he was winning there as well with a team that not many people expected to be as good as they were. So that's my top five heading into this upcoming season. I wouldn't say Sullivan is far off of that top five, but I would say that there is a a slight gap between those five and where Sullivan sits today. Yeah. And that's a fair uh, top five as well. I mean, Rob Brindamore's, he he has his team behind him too. That's a big thing. Not that Mike. There's a lot of buy-in down there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge piece for that team. Um, But you know, I do still like, I look at this list and I consider all these young guys. There's a lot of 2022 hires, 2023 hires that, um, could make for a very interesting uh, list at the end of the season. Because let's say um, some things turn around in enter team here with their new coach. Well, suddenly, mm-hmm. who knows what this uh, what this coach really brought to the team. Like uh, Lane Lambert, I know the New York Islanders are good, but what if they get pushed over the top with Lane Lambert? I know he was hired last year too, but it's mm-hmm. uh, something to think about, something to consider. Uh, who knows if Rick Tockett really finally finds a groove as a head coach. I mean, I know Arizona wasn't great, but the organization isn't phenomenal. Vancouver isn't doing much better, but let's say things turn around. Now you're looking at Rick Tockett as one of the you know, best coaches in the league. This is a very interesting year f- to really judge coaches, by the way. it's mm-hmm. We're going to throw Mike Sullivan's name in and out of this conversation, whether he's in the top five, definitely in the top ten. I think we can agree on that. Uh, yeah yeah so but it's going to be an this will be an interesting conversation to revisit at the end of the year 
seeing where teams mm-hmm. sit, where teams stand, and how these first-time, first-year, or even second-year coaches uh, formed and molded their team. Because what is Dave Haxtell doing with a team like the Seattle Kraken? I mean, mm-hmm. we thought that dude was cooked in Philadelphia as a coach. <laughs> and then yeah. he goes on, and maybe that was a team kind of getting its – I don't want to say it's uh, first-timers luck in – but Dave Haxtell wasn't the coach we expected to have a successful team. And yet there <laughs> they were. So yeah. who, this is going to be an interesting conversation to revisit. Uh, I'm just going to still say at this moment, Mike Sullivan is at the lower end of the top five. Yeah, I would say he's securely in the top ten, like you mentioned there. I would agree with that sentiment. Uh, the only other name that comes to mind is Paul Maurice and what he was able to do in Winnipeg through all his years there. And again, not able to get them over the hump, goes to Florida, can't get them quite to winning the Stanley Cup, but he got them to the Stanley Cup final as an eight seed. So that's, that's an impressive feat nonetheless. So I think Paul Maurice is also someone who's up around that top five area. Uh, you mentioned Rick Tockett, and I think it's important to bring up the fact that head coaches are obviously the, the front runner, the front face of the coaching staff. But just like in everything else in life, it's who you surround yourself with. I think we can all agree that the coaching staff when Mike Sullivan first entered as Penguins head coach, was phenomenal. You had Jacques Martin, and you had Rick Tockett as his primary assistants. And then, as with everything else, when you win a Stanley Cup, people start to get plucked out. Tockett mm-hmm. goes to Arizona. You replace him with Mark Recchi. Recchi, not quite up for the challenge as much as somebody like Rick Tockett was. Now, I do think right now, with Todd Reardon and Mike Vellucci as the two primary assistant coaches, I think that's better than what you had when it was Gonchar and Recky, and you know you hate to talk bad about them because they're Penguins legends, mm-hmm. but as coaches, it just wasn't working to the level that it was with Martin and Tockett. But I think there's a step up here. But I also think that entering the last year of their contracts, because remember they also signed two-year extensions before last season, entering the final year of their contracts, the Penguins need them to be on their game from the jump in 2023. Yeah, it, Todd Reardon's a good a good name to have back there. A former head coach in himself. Uh, sure, it was, he kind of struggled with the Capitals, and sure he may have lost the room there, but uh, he's a little more comfortable here. He's a little more... He's got the experience under his belt from being here uh, prior and then coming back in, having, you know, still having Chris Letang under his, under his, uh, under his wing. Uh, and as for Mike Vellucci, is an, he's an interesting one. You don't dislike him what, or what he can do or what he can bring. Uh, he did, I believe, interview for the job in Anaheim, which mm-hmm. really, I, that's the kind of team if Mike Vellucci's going to go on and be a head coach, a team like that would be a good first NHL head coaching job, just a team that's not supposed to be good yet, uh, but needs uh, needs an experimental voice behind the bench. So you don't dislike having Mike Vellucci uh, behind the Penguins bench because he has that head coaching ability and possible, possibly that future, uh, and that's the kind of those are the kind of guys you look for when it comes to hiring head coaches, right? Or hiring assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's guys that have the possibility of being a head coach one day or already have been and have the experience, so they know how to handle their positions on a more focused level. It's kind of when you look at how we looked at hiring the general manager for the Penguins this year, this past summer. It was someone who uh, either has the experience already, like Kyle Dubas, we can promote him to president and move on from there and then hire possibly a first-time GM to 
who has the you know it, it's making sense in my head it's not coming to but it's <laughs> it makes sense behind uh behind benches as well yeah you want somebody that has the pedigree to take the next step and take the job ahead of them in a in a lesser role and be able to have them flourish and build their skill set in that role I, I think i get where you were coming from with that yeah um, the one thing that i'm going to look at for, for reardon and Vellucci is the, the special teams units because that is mm-hmm. what they are primarily in charge of and the volatility of both of those units since these two guys took over has been uh, kind of insane i mean one has been great top of the league and then all of a sudden they're bottom of the league and then same thing with the penalty kill they were horrible at stages last season but the season prior they were one of the best in the league so if you can level off that volatility i, I think that goes to show good coaching uh, and we'll have to wait and see if that is what the penguins are able to do in 2023 but the penguins coaching staff man I mean, Sullivan is secure, but these other two guys, they're going to have to coach their butts off if they want to stay with the Pittsburgh Penguins because, like you mentioned, it's a new president of hockey operations and general manager in Kyle Dubas. If he wants to put his guys in there, I'm sure obviously he and and Sullivan are on the right page and Sullivan wants these guys to be here. But, you know, if they don't perform this year, there's a chance they could get the hook even if they're two guys that have gotten some head coaching opportunities or at least interviews over the past couple of off seasons. But we're going to take a quick break here on season five of the tip of the iceberg. Again, I keep saying it, it keeps getting crazier, but when we come back, we're going to start talking about the most important penguins heading into the 2023 season. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the hockey news up there in the corner, as you can see if you're watching us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. Horwat, it's been, what, exactly two weeks as you try to figure out the mirror effect on StreamYard? I got to learn the new screen <laughs> setup here, but the, the hockey news logo is up by my head somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, we got to go this way, this way. You got to go opposite uh, yeah. to, to point at it. But no, uh, it's been two weeks since our last episode. Nothing has happened in the news surrounding the Pittsburgh Penguins, but that's expected because it's the middle of August. But, you know, tell everybody, what did you do with your time off or what? Oh, I had a uh, little trip to Florida to visit my mom, obviously. And also uh, my stepdad turned 70 over the weekend before even I went on that. Uh, boy, we had a, a wedding to attend. Sorry, I had a wedding to attend. You had a wedding yeah. to participate in, my guy. Yes, yes, a lot of participation on my point. So there yes. is, a, yeah, there's a ring. I did get married over this quick break that we had. Um, and not only was the wedding fun, we danced. It was great. There was a tornado warning, right? Yeah. If everybody remembers what August twelfth was like in Pittsburgh, it rained a lot that <laughs> evening, and the wedding was outdoors. So. Yeah, we got a little wet, we danced in the rain, and luckily there was no hail or, or thunder, which would have shut the whole thing down, but there was a tornado a couple miles south of Pittsburgh at the time. I can I can remember you telling me at one point after recording once that uh, you are hoping and praying there is no rain for your wedding, and as you know, me the ever looking at it as, well, that's possible, it's Pittsburgh. Hey, it's supposed yeah. to, rain on your wedding day is supposed to be lucky. Uh, you didn't care for that, but now that you have that luck for you, have, congratulations. Um, and then between the ceremony and the reception, uh, 
me and you know our friends are sitting in a circle there at the hotel. There's a TV to my left, and I glance over at it, and I go, uh-oh. We have flood warnings, uh-huh. weather warnings, and then I go, I look online, I see, oh, most of the state is under a tornado warning. I'm not going to tell them. I'm just going to let this one run run its course, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, yeah, up, or what? We were acutely aware you know of the weather. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was well aware of everything that was coming, and you know what, regardless of the rain, uh, it was a good time, and I think that's all that matters, as long as everyone was happy, joyous of the occasion, yeah. and and as long as everyone had a few drinks, I don't think anyone cared that much. Yeah, nobody got hurt, and everybody had fun. At the end of the day, that's what matters the most, but, you know. A couple of suits coming, made me dry, cleans, dry cleaned, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it didn't help that I jumped into the fountain. My suit definitely needs a dry cleaned after that, but, uh, you know, regardless, uh, let's get back to hockey. Yeah. Obviously, that's what we did over break, and then I went to, as you can tell if you're watching on Inside the Penguins on YouTube, I went to Phoenix for my honeymoon, hence the hat, says Phoenix, Arizona. It was not raining in Arizona, nope. I'll tell you that much. But uh, let's talk about the most important Penguins heading into the 2023-24 season. We're going to give our top fives, Horwat. In this segment, let's start with number five. Who is the fifth most important Penguin to the success of the team next season in your eyes? I'm going to jot down a Brian Rust for a number five. Ooh, okay. Just because he needs to have himself a bounce back here, right? He needs to really prove that he can still be a useful piece of this team. He's going to be here for a couple more seasons anyway. I think just the year that he had last year, I mean, he played in almost every game but had fewer points in the season before. Uh, Quite a few fewer points, if I remember correctly. It wasn't ideal. It's not the way you want to look at uh, Brian Rust heading into this season. Now, I think a change of, not a change of scenery, but a change of positioning might be good for him. I'm going to I'm going to ride the put Brian Rust in the third line train until it finally happens. Sorry, it's just I know it's either first line or second with him. Uh mm-hmm. most often that's Sidney Crosby winger. I get it. But and I'm not saying Brian Rust is turning into Dom Simone here, but a bit less of a uh role, a bit less of a role, more let him focus on his defense a little bit might do him well on the third line, but also this team needs a little scoring punch in the in the bottom six still, and Brian Russ might be able to might be able to supply that. Ricard Raquel has great chemistry with Sidney Crosby. Stick him on your first line, second line. Make it a battle. Make it get Alex Nylander in there. See what he can do. Add other names alongside Malkin. We'll see what happens. Tomas Tatar is also still a possibility, and then you roll from there. I think um, Brian Russ having a bounce back season is fairly important to this team. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I disagree with putting him in the bottom six simply because I I don't see who fills that role in the top six. And I also think that you mentioned, you know, let him focus on the defense. I'd like to see him focus a little bit more on the offense. You know, I I think last year he he proved that he has the defensive game. Um, He's obviously Mr. Everything at at, at all points for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He plays penalty kill, power play, five on five. Um, Even with the empty net, he's usually out there on the ice. So, I would like to see him focus in more on creating offense and becoming that trigger man alongside Evgeny Malkin once again. Uh, My number five, though, I'm going to go to the blue line, and I'm going to start with Ryan Graves. 
Uh, he could have gone in a few different directions. You know, I could I could have gone with Chris Letang in this position, which means I don't have Chris Letang in the top five. I, I could have gone with a Brian Rust or even a Riley Smith in his first year with the Pittsburgh Penguins. But looking at Ryan Graves, considering the Penguins will likely deploy him in high-pressure situations against better competition than almost anybody else is going to face, whether that be alongside Chris Letang or alongside Eric Carlson, I think Ryan Graves is very important to this Pittsburgh Penguins team because he is going to be the defensive force that leads the way with the top playmakers. And I think when you look at the Penguins last year, that's something they were missing. They were trying to force Brian Dumoulin back into that role. They were trying to make P.O. Joseph ready for that role in his first full professional season. This year you have a guy in Ryan Graves who has been in that role Two previous team on two previous teams. He was in that role with New Jersey. He was in that role with Colorado. He's going to fit right in in that role with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I think he is going to be vastly important if he is able to be on his game and play his defensive style to a T. That's going to be huge for a Pittsburgh Penguins team that was pretty bad in the bottom third of the league when it comes to actual defensive efficiency in 2022-23. So for them to be able to get better on the defensive side will help them on the offensive side, and it's a cohesive game. It's not a game like football where you stop every single down. (laughs) It's a fluid game where the defense needs to transition to the offense, and I think Ryan Graves is going to be an important factor in that for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I really like that answer too. That's a good good option to have because – He's stepping in for that Brian Dumoulin role. He's going to be on that first line, probably alongside Chris Letang. He has to play smart defense while Letang can still do his thing. Uh, and any newcomer is usually pretty important to the team. It's You're putting faith in him. You brought him in for a reason, so you have to put your faith in him. Um, and I'm excited to see what he can do. I also really like that answer of seeing what he can bring uh, in his first year with the team. Yeah, yeah. So let's move over to number four. Number five for you is Brian Rust. I put Ryan Graves at number five, most important Penguins in 2023. Who do you have at number four, Horwat? Uh, number four, you could, you could argue to push him a little higher, uh, but I'm going to go with Eric Carlson here just because, I mean, first and foremost, he's your highest paid player. He needs, in, on the, in the grand scheme of things, you put the deal to the side. You just look at you look at the cap friendly, you look at the, uh, the Puckpedia, whatever you want to. The Eric Carlson's making $10 million against the salary cap. At the end of the day, that's what you're paying him. He needs to perform kind of close to that. So it is important that he brings what he's expected to to this organization. Not so much uh, another 100-point season. That's unfair to expect again. But you you push him for 60, 70, 75 points, well, then you got some good use out of him. We know he's an offensive defenseman, too. We're not going to focus too hard on his defensive game. Maybe it finds something here, too, because it's a much different system than San Jose. It is a more defensive-oriented style, especially for the forwards that he might be playing with. We'll see if his defensive game takes a step forward, but adding Eric Carlson to this lineup, A, it's important because you get more scoring from the blue line, which we did not have much of last year. You... Add a huge piece to the uh, power play, whether it is one or two, whether he's beside Chris Letang or Genny Malkin or whoever. That's a huge boost to the power play, which needs all the help it could get. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be important to have Eric Carlson play close to his salary because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. halfway through the season, everyone's going to forget what the trade looked like. It's going to be you know, solid that we're not worried about 
Jeff Petrie's contract pulling us down or Jan Ruta's contract pulling us down. We're going to look at $10 million at Eric Carlson and go, we need something to come from him. Every old Yenzer is going to get angry at that contract at least once this season. We all know this. So we'll see how it goes. He needs to perform near that dollar amount. Yeah, you mentioned it, and I think you actually even wrote a story about it uh, for Inside the Penguins. Dom Lushijan of The Athletic said the Penguins were one of the teams that had the most contracts that were overpaid and underperformed last season. Mm-hmm. So with this being the biggest contract and being just brought in in Eric Carlson and having four more years of Eric Carlson, paying him $40 million over the next four years, you're going to need him to perform at or around that $10 million price range because that's what you're paying him. So I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And listen, I'll, t- I'll talk about Eric Carlson a little bit later. I have him a little bit higher on my list. But clearly, it is the tentpole move of Kyle Dubas's first offseason. You need it to pay off. You need mm-hmm. that player to be excellent. And he is vastly important to the success of the Penguins in 2023. My number four might be a little lower than most people's. Maybe might be lower than everybody else's list when they make this top five. Evgeny Malkin. Probably the lowest he's ever ranked on any of these type of lists when it comes to importance to the Pittsburgh Penguins. But I think that's a testament to the importance of the players above him. I already mentioned Carlson's up there. I think you could imagine the other two as we're talking right now. The Penguins still need Malkin to lead the way offensively because the bottom six continues to look like it lacks scoring. Now, again, you mentioned the Tatar thing is out in the universe somewhere, but as of right now, the bottom six look it looks like it's going to lack scoring, and the Penguins are going to need Crosby, Malkin, Riley Smith, Jake Gensel when he returns from injury, Ricard Raquel, Brian Rust, whoever goes up there, Alex Nylander, if he, he he's, gets the opportunity to start there with Gensel out. The top six is going to need to produce the most offense once again this season. It wasn't a successful formula last year, although the top six did find success. They're going to need them to do that once again this year. The only difference is they might get a little bit more help from the bottom six when it comes to not giving up leads, not giving up momentum, but they still need Evgeny Malkin to be Gino Machino, I am comeback tour, part whatever, three, four, whatever we're on at this point. They need Evgeny Malkin to be Evgeny Malkin heading into his 17th season with the Pittsburgh, or 18th season with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh man, that's a that's a lot of years. You, you know what? I, yeah. I totally agree with you. In fact, Gina was my number three anyway. So uh, yeah. we can not extend this conversation this part of the conversation longer than we really need to. But yeah, his scoring prowess going to be important no matter his age or where he sits in this lineup because we know it's still up high. We know he has hard miles on him. It'll be important to see what he can do health wise. Uh, it'll be just as important to see who he can play with who he's going to play with because he's going to promote offense for everyone around him that includes maybe it's riley smith maybe it's brian rust maybe it's jake Gensel when he returns who knows what how this lineup shakes out after the first few games uh and in the grand scheme of the full 82 uh Evgeny malkin just needs to be just as much on his game this upcoming season as he was last year i wholeheartedly agree with that but that is uh, our number five and four and four watts number three, but we're going to continue our countdown here after this quick break.
Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by Inside the Penguins, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News. We're continuing our list of the top five most important Penguins heading in to the 2023-24 season. Horwat, you had number five, Brian Rust, number four, Eric Carlson, and uh, number three, Evgeny Malkin, whereas mm-hmm. I had Ryan Graves at number five, and at number four, I had Evgeny Malkin. I mean, let's just continue our discussion here about Malkin and Carlson, because number three, I do have Eric Carlson. I don't think some people, I, I think there are a portion of the fan base that understands wholeheartedly what the trade meant, but there are some people that I don't think understand the magnitude of adding a player that scored 100 points this year previous, right? That's mm-hmm. more than anybody on the Pittsburgh Penguins, and it's not like he played on a team that was that much better. He played on the San Jose Sharks, a team that is in a full-on rebuild, and scored 100 points as a defenseman. So while, yes, and you mentioned it, you can't expect him to come in and score 100 points with the Pittsburgh Penguins because there's only one puck, and it has to go around a little bit more when there's guys like Sidney Crosby, guys like Evgeny Malkin, guys like Jake Gensel, Ricard Raquel. There's a lot more offensive options. But I do think you have to expect at least 75 to 80 points from a guy in Eric Carlson who is one of the best offensive players, most gifted offensive players in the National Hockey League. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you, the expectations are going to be high uh, because not only is the money there, not only was last season's points there, but you have to look at the main goal of this team and why he was brought in. That is to help them win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. They think that Eric Carlson can do just that. Uh, so that pushes more expectations onto his shoulder. It lightens the load for guys like Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, But it definitely adds a ton of pressure to the team because now you've built up. It, these, this, these are the conversations we have about teams around the league every trade deadline. It's, well, the Rangers added Tarasenko and Patrick Kane. Now they are loading up. It's obvious. And they have to do more than, than lose in the first round. They have to get out of that because of what they've added. The Penguins have now added Eric Carlson. You want to throw Ryan Graves into that conversation? You can. You want to throw in this interesting bottom six in? You can. We've rebuilt our team and now have much higher expectations. The pressure is going to be on for everyone, and it is important for Eric, for guys like Eric Carlson and the core to continue what they had did last year. I mean, like like we said, we're not expecting Carlson to get 100 points. That's only been done 16 times before, and this league had Bobby Orr in it. It's probably not going to happen again for a little while so don't Mm -hmm. expect 100 points from Carlson I mean we've spanned as many points as 60 to 85 I think so we'll see we'll see what we get from him we're expecting a lot of offense from him though yeah obviously what he's going to be able to do is unlock the power play hopefully and of course uh, the secondary scoring lines as well when it comes to five on five we talked ad nauseum before the break about how he's going to help Evgeny Malkin, but also we talk about the bottom six and their lack of scoring. There's a good chance most of the time the bottom six is out there. They're going to be playing with, if not the third pairing, they're going to be playing with one of Carlson or Latang. That's going to help the bottom six scoring. Last year, I understand that Jeff Petrie was there and he is a slightly offensive defenseman. Uh, he does have offensive skill sets, but at the end of the day, the difference, and we've mentioned this, I don't need to even mention it again, but I'm going to anyway. The difference between Jeff Petrie and Eric Carlson offensively is nowhere close. 
So to be able to get a guy like Eric Carlson to play with whoever it is, Eller and Carter and whoever's on the third line, DOC, that's going to improve their offensive output, which at the end of the day, a rising tide lifts all boats, and it's going to make the team better in the long run. So yes, Eric Carlson is one of the most important players. You have him at number four. I have him at number three. But that sets us up for the top two, Horwat. Who is the second most important player to the Pittsburgh Penguins' success, according to Nick Horwat? Since the year 2005, I think Sidney Crosby has been one, two, or three in this conversation. And that is where Sidney Crosby falls here at number two. Heading into year, I know you just said... Uh, 19. Heading into year 19. So you just said Malkin's coming in at 18. Heading into year 19 of his career, he is once again one of the most important Penguins on the roster. Truthfully. And it's, I think... The conversation's not too long with this one. It is more or less, he's the leader of this team. It is, he is most likely going to lead the team at points just because that is what he does and he has always done for this team. It's your leader, it's your captain, it's most, one of the most talked about players in the league and has been for the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just another season of we need great things out of Sidney Crosby. And you know what, when it comes to scoring goals and collecting points... This team, right now, the Pittsburgh Penguins still need the core to do a lot of that heavy lifting. And Eric Carlson, to do a lot of that heavy lifting. The bottom six is good. It is improved bottom six, don't get me wrong. But it is not improved by way of offense that much. So I think a lot of the scoring weight is still going to be put on the shoulders of the core. And Sidney Crosby is going to have to take on a lot of that. Um, Sure, he was tired at the end of the year. uh, But, I mean... When you're fighting for a playoff spot each and every game, there's only so much gas in the tank for a 35-year-old, now gonna now 36 heading into this year. I know he's another year older, but it'll be more, more important than ever to uh, really have him maintain as much youth as possible. Yeah, it's interesting that you have him at number two. Uh, I have him at number one, personally, just to, to, to continue this conversation here about Crosby. And I have him at number one, and I, I literally wrote down here because, of course, it is. Of course, it's Sidney Crosby at number one. It's the same reasons that you have him at number two. Yeah. Um, he is and has been the heartbeat of this team for the past 18 seasons, and he'll continue to be this season and the next two seasons or however long he decides that he wants to play. Um, he will be the heartbeat of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Last season, he had 93 points. But as we both mentioned, he did struggle down the stretch. He had 10 points in the last 14 games, which is struggling for a player of Sidney Crosby's magnitude, especially when the team is fighting for a playoff spot and they end up coming up short. Uh, I think that he would tell you that he didn't perform as well as he had hoped. And I think he would tell you that the, you know, the goal, as he mentioned when you asked him the question at the end of the season, he would have taken 81 games in a playoff spot over playing all 82 games with Evgeny Malkin for the first time in their careers because He's the ultimate competitor. He's the ultimate champion. He's won almost everything, if not everything, there is to win in the sport of hockey in his 18-plus years as an NHLer. So, yeah, to me, he is and always will be the most important Pittsburgh Penguin because, I mean, if you think about this team, yeah, they can't sustain an injury to anybody in the top six, but you lose your captain, you lose a guy like Sidney Crosby, it is going to be hard to come back from that. So I just look at him and think that he is, in in my eyes, and always will be the most important Pittsburgh Penguin. Yeah, and it's fair to put him at number one. There are just certain seasons where, like I said, for the last... 19 years he's been in the top three of this list when it when it comes to the yep. team success there are just certain years where someone else creeps up or two other players creep up and 
kind of take over as, okay, Crosby has his importance, we all know, because of course it's Sidney Crosby. But at least for me, in this upcoming season, there's one other player that just sneaks up and goes, you know what, you need to have the year. Like, the year. And I think everyone can guess what my answer for the most important Penguin heading into the season is. Mm -hmm. Blasky, would you like to take a guess? Yeah, I would say it's probably my number two, and he probably wears some, some big pads down between the pipes. You could say that, yes. Uh, it's very, at least in my eyes, obviously, very clearly, it's imp- the most important that Tristan Jari um, finds himself this year, stays healthy, performs at the level we know he can. It's This se- this offseason has been a lot of discussions of, well, how about this new general manager slash president that we're going to try and hire? All right, well, now that we have Kyle Dubas, how about this, what are we going to do with this goaltending? Well, hold on. Put that on pause for a minute. Eric Carlson is now in the, now a thing. We got Eric Carlson. Back to the goaltending. We decided to stick with Tristan Jari for five years. Uh, it's mm-hmm. going to be massively vital, not even important, vital, that Tristan Jari is able to remain healthy, stay on his game, stay just as skilled as he ever is and collect as many wins as possible it's we don't know what this defense will look like exactly defensively we know ryan graves is going to have a huge a huge role we know marcus patterson should step up pretty well defensively if he's playing alongside eric carlson i mean patterson said himself when he's playing with chris letang he feels himself looking around a lot more and being much better defensively all right well now you have eric carlson who is all (laughs) offense no defense so there's gonna be a lot of uh turning heads for Marcus Patterson to make sure he is being a great defensive defenseman. And then Pio Joseph still has uh, some growing to do. We know he had a great season, but he has some growing to do. So we don't know exactly who was playing solid defense in front of Tristan Jari, aside from the bottom six. It'll be up to him to make way more saves than he did this past year. Um, keeping the puck out of the net is, the, is his main role and his goal. And as long as he's able to do that at to the nth degree... Uh, it's kind of what pushes him past Sidney Crosby on this list in my eyes. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. I have him at number two. Yeah. So it's not like I'm sitting here disagreeing with you to the point <laughs> right. of saying, you know what, I don't think he's that important. Yeah, Tristan Jari is vital to the success of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I have Crosby at number one. That's just personal opinion. But mm-hmm. looking at Tristan Jari, most of the things you said right there, could not agree more. I mean, goaltending has hampered this team each of the past three seasons to the point where it is one of, if not the most important reason or the biggest reason why the team failed to reach their goal, whether that is reaching the postseason last year, whether that is getting out of the first year or first round in the two years prior. Not all of that is Tristan Jari's fault. Anders Lee's a big dude, right? If he fell (laughs) on my foot, he'd probably break my foot too. It's not Tristan Jari's fault that that happened and and Casey DeSmith got injured at the beginning of that series and Louis Domingue and his spicy pork and broccoli could not hold down the fort after getting a 3-1 series lead. That's not on Tristan Jari. But entering this season, as Jari has mentioned, fully healthy or should be fully healthy to start the season, he needs to be that top 10 caliber goaltender that he's proven to be in the past. And I talked about it on Penguins to Go yesterday. That's not that far. That's not that long ago that that happened, right? It wasn't last season because he was injured most of the year, if not all year. Depending on who you believe, could have been injured since training camp. Yeah. But the year prior to that, 
he finished in the top 10 in all important categories for goaltenders. And he wasn't number 10. He wasn't number nine. He was seventh or he was eighth when it comes to, I believe it was wins and save percentage. But he was above that in every other important category. Goals allowed average. Goals saved above expected. Games played. He was a workhorse that season. And he still was able to perform on a consistent basis. If he can get back to that and stay healthy this season, I agree with you. It is the most important thing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But to me, outside of Sidney Crosby being Sidney Crosby. Now, what do I trust to happen more? I trust Sidney Crosby to be Sidney Crosby more than I trust Tristan Jari to be a top 10 goalie in the NHL. Yeah. But I still think it's more important to get the captain uh, leading the way to get the Penguins back into the postseason. Yeah, you you bring up the year where he was top 10 a lot of those things. For much of that season, he was top 5, top 3. For much yeah. of that season, he was one of the go-to goalies in the NHL. He was... Uh, the all there wasn't an All Star game that year. Things were weird. No, he was an All Star. That was but he was that an All Star. Uh, that was an All Star year. Yeah. So <clears throat> we know he has the ability to do it. I'm not going to say he got Vesna votes. He finished seventh out of seven goalies that received votes. He received hey. a singular third place vote from, I think the GM's vote on that. So interesting. <laughs> Who was the one GM that said Tristan Jarvis? You know, probably Hextall. That being said, though, it's. It is crucial that Tristan Jari proves it. We we put our faith in him. Kyle Dubas, a new general manager even, not even same old, same old Ron Hextall going on radio shows and backing his guy again. No, this is a new president of hockey operations general manager who, has, who had the ability to just let him walk in free agency, had that chance, and could filter through names and find a new starting goalie. Kyle Dubas, new guy, comes in. And has that same belief in Tristan Jari that the previous regime had. That says something about Tristan Jari, right? That really does. That more than just whatever we think of Ron Hextall believes that Tristan Jari is the guy for this team between the pipes. Yeah. It's That goes to show just how highly he's thought of throughout the league, too. That someone else from from Toronto was looking at Tristan Jari going, if I was, on, if I was head of that team and I talked to him first... That's my guy. He's staying there. Yeah. And now here uh, we are. I, it's a new regime, and he's still here. That's massive for him and for this organization going forward. Yeah, I'm blanking on when he was drafted, but I think this is the third different general manager that has gone with Tristan Jari as their starter. That tells he, you something. He was drafted in 2013, made his NHL debut, and... So he was drafted by Ray Shiro. <laughs> yep. So that's uh, four general managers that believed in him in some sense of the w- word. Shiro believed in him enough to draft him. Rutherford believed in him enough to go with him over Matt Murray at one stage. Hextall stayed with him and stayed with Casey DeSmith, too. Uh, we don't have to discuss that. And then Kyle Dubas, five years. So that's a that's a big belief in him right there. But as, as everybody knows, hockey is the ultimate team sport. One player cannot single-handedly win the Stanley Cup. Just ask Connor McDavid. So they need all five of these players. In fact, they need everybody that's on the roster. But to us, those are the five most important players to the Pittsburgh Penguins' success in the 2023-24 season. Let us know in the comments if you're watching us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. Who are your top five most important Penguins? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, five stars only, and let us know who your top five most important Penguins are, or let us know on Twitter at Iceberg Podcast. We want to hear from you. Best answers, 
best reasoning will make it on the podcast either later this week or at the beginning of next week. But that's going to do it for season five, episode one. Do you remember when we used to do that? We counted episodes per season. I think we finished with 87 in the first two seasons, and then we stopped <laughs> counting episodes. Yeah, that sounds about right. But regardless, this one's easy. Season five, episode one, in the books for the tip of the iceberg ahead of the 2023-24 season. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. We'll be right back.